This podcast is supported by Manitou Fund. We want to thank them for coming on board and, and helping to support this podcast. Really means a lot to us. Hey, everyone. I am Mitchell Hora. And I am Zach Johnson, and this is the Fieldwork Podcast brought to you by farmers for farmers. This show is all about what is working and what is not when it comes to sustainable agriculture. Today, we're going to look into hemp. And, uh, you know, it was illegal for many years, but now it's making a comeback in the ag industry. Yeah, that's right. In the 2018 Farm Bill, uh, the federal government took hemp off the list of controlled substances. So that means that now it's up to the states to decide whether or not they want to legalize hemp. Uh, so far, there's only a handful of states that actually have commercial programs, but a lot have launched pilot programs. And I know Minnesota was a pretty early adopter when it came to some of the some of the pilot programs out there. We actually looked into hemp ourselves uh, maybe even like five years ago now, uh, but there was some some glitches when it came to, you know, the hoops you had to jump through if we were going to plant this stuff and and kind of you had to put up signs saying what it was. And then you also uh, were very encouraged to uh, have it in a field hidden from the general public, just just so that you weren't planting it on a major highway. Uh, the sheriff really wasn't too fond of of what we were thinking, you know. And then we get into the financing aspect of things, where uh, a couple of our lenders who finance other parts of our operation, you know, they were saying, "Hey, this is a federally illegal crop. Uh, we can't support you planting that." And so, if you make the decision to do that. Um, we're going to have to make the decision to not work with you when it comes to the financing anymore. So I know uh, that was a big hurdle for us at the time. I know some of that's changed now. Uh, I think lenders are are not really, uh, they're, they're not supposed to look at growers that way anymore when it comes to hemp production. So I know a lot of that's changing. A lot of this has really changed in just the last few years, and I'm sure it will continue to change as we move forward. Yeah, that's massive. And that's really, really early to be on kind of this hemp a uh, new wave of hemp growing, really. But um, I think the good clarification there, though, too, is, yeah, there's a lot of regulation behind this. But for the most part, the hemp that we're talking about is not the kind of stuff that uh, does things to your psychedelic. This is just, you know, talking about uh, maybe CBD hemp, but also industrial hemp as well. It's more so the oil and fiber production really is what we're looking at here. But I think, you know, there are people in the general public that potentially wouldn't really understand the difference here between uh, hemp and marijuana. So it, it can get, it, you know, it can be a sticking point that way. And um, it's it's interesting what has happened with hemp just in the last few years, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with it going forward. Yeah, you're right. And uh, definitely still a long way to go with this new industry, but there are plenty of different states that are getting on board, um, you know, Kentucky, and North Carolina, places like that, that are really starting to pick up their production of hemp. Yeah, we know a lot of people really want to learn about this. So today, we're actually going to bring you the story of a farmer who dipped his toe into hemp production last year, uh, Scotty Thelman of Juniper Hill Farms in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, I did this um, interview solo last season while Zach was tied up with his harvest. Um, so, so Scotty was a really interesting guy. That He's a young farmer, first-generation farmer. Um, didn't really have the capital to really get going and play in the commodity space. Um, now he's really diversified his operation. He grows about 70 different crops, including a lot of different kinds of veggies, hay, um, some organic and conventional corn, wheat, soybeans, a wide array of things. Here's a clip of uh, him talking about the path 
that he went down to get to this point. You know, being first generation, you know, I had hoped um, finishing up Iowa State that, you know, the vegetables were growing, but I was ready to, to start jumping and jumping in and, and really trying to up my row crop game yeah. um, and start doing, you know, four, five hundred, a thousand acres of row crops. But it just turned out to be challenging financially, um, you know, as somebody in their early 20s who's well, really just getting started. There, yeah, to yeah. buy a bunch of this equipment to manage that kind of acreage where if you're just buying hands and you yeah i mean hands. it was it was just a number of years ago i had four or five hundred acres yeah. that i was renting and then basically having custom farmed right and i could make a little bit and it wasn't too hard but yeah. it was just driving around and writing checks and shaking hands and yeah. looking like i grew the crop but yeah. you know at the well, end of the day you started realizing that the time you had in it for what you were getting right. back because you couldn't afford you know, that combine or, yeah. or, or, you know, that, that planter, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. So then last spring in 2019, Scotty also tried growing some hemp. Uh, we got an update from him recently. And he says that for this year, for 2020 with the coronavirus pandemic, um, it's way more lucrative for him to actually skip the hemp production side of things um, and focus at acreage on veggies like kale, tomatoes, lettuce, things like that. Um, people may not be going out, but they're still definitely eating a lot of those crops that he grows. He also just launched a grocery delivery business, so that's keeping him really busy. Uh, it makes more sense for him to focus on all of that, really, rather than you know the much more uncertain hemp market that we have going on right now. Uh, but Scotty says he may give hemp another try next year. Meanwhile, we figured his experience as a first-timer will probably still be really interesting for a lot of you to hear. When Kansas opened up the uh, industrial hemp research program, um, we kind of said, why not? Um, and just jumped in. We figured it'd be fun to grow a new crop. We always love growing something new and different. So, uh, yeah. So how did that, how did that work? So this is just for research purposes for the most part yeah. with can't with K state or with KU Kansas department of agriculture. Okay. With Kansas. So yeah, we, we have a permit, um, with the Kansas department of agriculture for our hemp program. Um, it's been fairly regulated from day one, including sure. background checks for everybody that was, you know, going to be able to touch the hemp, handle the hemp and all of that. And, you know, it's just been a very interesting experience paperwork-wise and logistics-wise and, and growing-wise and harvest-wise. And, you know, <laughs> kind of learning now, from now, all. now we've got a big barn full of dope. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So, okay, so as you started into that, did you get, like, the seed from Kansas Department of Ag? They came out and said, here's where you're going to grow it. Here's how much fertilizer you need. Here's how to plant it. Did they? How hands-on were they versus how much do you have to just learn? That's a good question. So because it was a research program, they really left it up to us. And so we all had to submit research proposals to the state of Kansas, to the KDA, which then they reviewed and, and approved or denied. Okay. Um, we approved, um, which was cool. Um, but then we had to go out and start finding seed, different things like that. And it got to be interesting um, to find good certified seed. That was yeah. one of the requirements was either uh, AOSCA certified or State Department of Ag certified. And that got to be pretty tricky <laughs> as you started talking to people all over the country. Um, you know, and seed prices ranged anywhere from, from the low end, um, you know, in that, in that 10 to 20 cents per seed to $2 a seed. Huh. Um, and so, you know, we were able to find some on the cheaper end. Um, my whole goal with this was to not go in, you know, gangbusters and, and, and stop, start dropping tons of money like a lot of people in Colorado or Washington <laughs> yeah. State or, yeah. or Kentucky uh, started with and, and I think are seeing some issues, you know, on the return end. 
Um, so you're telling me I need to sweep up your floor because there's seeds all over the floor yeah, here. We're so if I swept up your floor, I would make a lot of money. Yeah, if it were certified. So. Oh, if it were certified. But, yeah, you okay. know, you, maybe you could be one of those brokers that's <laughs> a, little, a little on the sketch side. Under the table. But, yeah. But anyway, so, so yeah, we, we planted them um, in a greenhouse after we received the seed. We started okay. them in one of our greenhouses that we uh, start vegetable transplants and everything in. And from there, um, essentially transplanted them out into our field with the same water wheel transplanter we use for tomatoes and lettuce uh -huh. and kale. Um, and you know, it was very similar to growing a tomato plant. Huh. I mean, if any of you guys are good at growing tomato plants at home, it's, it's not too much different. <laughs> so coming to a tomato farmer near you, you're diversifying your operation, you're yeah. growing hemp now. Yeah, I like growing it. Growing CBD. Okay, so what was the timeline on this? So, so get it straight in my mind and everybody's mind, like was this, in April 2019, what's what's kind of the timeline of how so, all this happened? You know, the farm bill passed kind of what mid late summer last year. Yeah. Um, Kansas uh, came in with an initial pre-application last November that essentially a friend kind of convinced me to apply for, just out of curiosity to see you know how we might develop our research yeah. program. Um, we were approved for that, but then we had to then resubmit an approval um, to the Department of Ag that was due at the end of February. We found out uh, middle of April um, that we um, had received the licenses. We paid our licensure fees and then um, had the seed about three days later mm. and started planting uh, in the greenhouse, I think, April 19th. Okay. So right around that. That's when we started planting corn. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, right that's hilarious. That's hilarious. About. So plant, transplanted in April and then you're watering it, fertilizing during the year, split applying. How does that kind of yeah, work? Yeah, so we came in. Um, and essentially laid drip line, just like yep. we would with lettuce, kale, or anything like that. And then we were doing a, a combination of both foliar fertilizer um, and drip line fertilizer, mm. through, so through the drip line fertigation. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, as I said earlier, it's very similar to a tomato plant in terms of needing nitrogen um, to get started, but then once it starts getting to the floral stage, yep. you really cut back on the nitrogen. You don't want overgrowth. Yep. For um, sure. You know, and that's when you're going in with your P and your K and your micros and, and yep. really hitting it. Calcium was also a really big thing. For um, sure. We had an agronomist in the area who was kind of our third party research, yep. um, which was something I was really wanted to make sure we had. I mean, Kansas Department of Ag didn't require it. However, it just didn't seem right to me to have a research program without a third party being able to do soil yeah. samples, tissue samples, yeah. um, and really have that unbiased approach. For and sure. so Jason was out here um, in the season just about every week, okay. uh, crop scouting. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think one thing, you know, I've seen a lot of other growers of hemp in the region, especially the larger farmers go into it, of thinking about it as a traditional row crop, which down the road will be there. Yeah. Um, especially for the fiber and the seed, um, yeah. you know, as we get into the larger scale production. But, you know, growing this, uh, this floral variety, you know, the, the CBD varieties, mm -hmm. it is very much more like a vegetable. It's very more uh, intensive. And so, um, you know, we, we were out there just about every day, yeah. um, whether it's cutting nuts. male plants or, or weeding. Today we're talking about hemp and my visit to Juniper Hill Farms in Lawrence, Kansas, where Scott Thelman tried growing hemp for the first time last season. So that was back in 2019. Uh, also, just a heads up, you can see the video of my interview with Scotty on our YouTube channel at Fieldwork Talk. We'll be back after a short break. Let's get back now to Mitchell's interview with Scotty Thelman of Juniper Hill Farms. Were you 
having any issues in with like the TH maintaining THC levels because it have to be really low. Yeah. THC levels as low as under a certain threshold. Yeah. CBD levels as high as possible. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, the whole goal is to, you know, and I think a lot of, a lot of producers out there that are using, you know, um, enterprise budgets and, and maximizing efficiency and, and you know, yield curves and all, and all of that are, are getting to that point of maximum yield versus maximum quality. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really what we were going for is, you know, how much CBD can we pump without getting THC above legal limits right. or beating a freeze like we had last night um, in terms of harvest. And so we started testing um, middle of August um, and sending a, a test to K-State every week where okay. they test for the THC levels in the CBD. Yeah. Um, got to the point where we realized we probably needed to submit our harvest report, our pre-harvest report. Mm. Um, we had to submit that to uh, the KDA 30 days prior to harvest, which for being a guy that's never grown yeah. industrial hemp kind of to go, to I think it, this is the week, <laughs> a month from now we'll be harvesting. I mean, I figured we'd be harvesting in August and, and we didn't start till the end of September. Huh. Um, you know, I figured early August and we'd be done and, and the field would be planted in cover crops and, and sure. you know, all settled by now. But um, unfortunately, uh, doesn't we, work out. Yeah, we got to learn a few things this year. So, what did you see with those results? And like, was anything thrown out of whack, or it was basically pretty easy to so just maintain the right levels? As we followed it, you saw the CBD raising about um, oh, about a half percentage point or so oh, every we few weeks. Um, but about the maximum we hit um, was about one point eight. Okay. Or point one eight. I'm sorry. Yeah. One eight. So we were still point one two percent under the legal limit of 0.3%. Okay. Um, I know a few guys um, in the state of Kansas have tested hot, um, which essentially has required them to either have a sheriff or KDA or, or some official there as they destroy a crop. Right. And, and these crops, you know, are, they aren't it's cheap a lot to grow, especially a, one of the guys I heard had 120 acres. Oh, wow. They had to mow down and they couldn't bale it, they couldn't feed it. It had to be destroyed right there. Wow. Um, that's no fun. <laughs> no, that's a disaster. Um, that's, that's a huge disaster. Okay, so, What's the market for this? Because I know that, like, I've been talking with some guys over in Illinois and stuff that, like, they've got all this hemp now and, like, CBD hemp and, like, there's nowhere to take it. How do you, how do you manage that market? So our, our seed uh, source in Colorado, uh, one of the larger companies in Colorado, is willing to buy it back. Okay. Um, I'm trying to keep it in the state yeah. right now just to, to help contribute to the industrial research hemp program that all of us are participating For in. Sure. And so I'm hoping to work with a distributor or processor in our state. Yeah. Um, a few that I've been working with or talking to just are, to me seem a little flaky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, I, I can't blame them. I mean, I probably sound a little flaky when I'm on the phone too, cause I've never grown it before. Right. I'm just. Well, and, and like that you have three acres and they're like, well, is this guy like a real player or not? Yeah. But, so it might not get fully get their attention maybe too. Exactly. But you know, some of the bigger CBD, you know, bigger in terms of quality and producing the highest value crops are those two or three acre farms in Tennessee yeah. that are just maximizing it. And they're having yeah. plants that, you know, this one stands, what, after harvest to what, about four feet tall, yeah. something like that. They have plants that are 10 or 12 Huge. feet tall and the buds are, you know, this big. It's, That's it's stunning. I've heard some, I want to say my buddy Jeremiah was talking about like 18% CBD and stuff yeah. like that, 15 Oh yeah, 18%. no, there, there are some guys that are really pulling it off, but usually when you get to that high of a CBD percentage, you are going to come in above that THC level ah. of 0.3%. Yeah. And, you know, if you're in the state of Colorado or, or, or Oregon, 
or different states like that, that's not so big of a deal sure. um, if you have that recreational and medical grower's license as well, which I think a lot of guys in Washington State in particular transitioned from growing recreational or medical back into the CBD Just because CBD. it proved to be more profitable. Okay, so how much do you expect that you're going to have here? Like how many tote bags is this going to this going to be? So a tote bag of hemp, from what I've learned, and, and once again, first year, so I'm, I'm a little new to this game, right. but um, is about 500 pounds. So it's not that 2,200 pound super sag. No. But, you know, about 500 pounds of floral material. Um, I would anticipate in this barn, we've got about three or 4,000 pounds of yeah. dry floral material, okay. which is not too far off of what we were hoping for yield-wise, um, <laughs> being first year yeah, yeah. and not knowing what the hell we were doing. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I... I don't have a good answer of how many, how much it's going to be. You know, right. uh, we we need to submit to the state within about 30 days of how much weight we have up here. Yeah. And um, you know, we didn't even count how many plants we ended up harvesting just because we had a. And, and that, you harvested all these by hand. Yes. Yeah, so. Um, like just kind of sawed them off. It looks. Yeah. Like. So a lot of them actually. Um, or you could probably yeah, use the clippers funny, for know, some. I, my whole plan initially was to was to cut it in the field with a sickle mower. Yeah. Um, mm. Bring in our old glenier combine we have sitting on the other side of the river throw them through and just leave the sieves open and just let the, let the uh, material just drop right through. Oh, I um, see. And then just auger it right into yeah. coats and just keep it real simple and probably lose some stuff, but hey, have fun doing it. You know, <laughs> have a couple beers and, and watch the hemp harvest. <laughs> That's awesome. But, you know, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, we received our, our harvest permit yeah. and we had 10 days from, from the day we received it. Well, out of those 10 days, about eight of them, it was raining. Hmm. So... We really only had about two days, so we couldn't dry it in the field. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden, I was up here the next day putting up baling twine and string lines. And, I like it. You know, figuring out how the hell we were going <laughs> to make this happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we took the sickle bar mower down, and, and it worked for a few of the smaller stocks, but... Some of these are pretty big. Yeah, I mean, some of them... Uh, There's some of them that are solid two inches around. Two-inch diameter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, guy. this and this guy's dried down. It was about sure. maybe three inches in diameter initially. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that it, it's really woody and like, it's yeah, I mean, it, really, it really bushy. When you think about it, it's down not, the road, I mean, the fiber aspects are huge. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's stunning. Um, but essentially, we were, the sickle bar mower wasn't going to go. No. Well, it wasn't going to work that well on some <laughs> of this big stuff. And so... <laughs> Sounds funny, but we took uh, some of our chainsaws and switched. Yeah, yeah, that's what it looked for, like. For food grade, uh, you know, vegetable oil we use in, in the vegetable side of the business, and uh, went to town. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, threw them in the back of the old grain truck and, yeah. and brought them up and yeah. passed them up through the little barn door over there and started hanging. Well, Zach, that's been a really interesting interview here that I had with Scotty, and I learned a ton while I was visiting his farm. Uh, but the million dollar question, maybe more maybe more than a million dollar question is, uh, what do you think? You know, what, uh, what's your conversation now um, as this industry continues to change? I'm personally really excited to see where hemp goes from here and what happens with it in the future. I, I would hope that eventually it would become a viable third crop option for guys like me up in the Midwest where corn and soybeans are so dominant. Um, but I think right now with, with what has happened with making it, you know, federally legal, and then things like corn and soybeans not doing so well right now. I think we've seen an overproduction of hemp because the processing facilities that are there, you know, they were set up to handle a certain volume of hemp and, and see a certain amount of acres in production. And all of a sudden, these acres became federally legal to plant. Now there is tenfold what there was before. And, and the processors 
can't possibly take all that and, and instantly have the demand for that product. So I, I think um, I'm going to sit it out as a farmer for right now. I'm going to stay in the sidelines and see what happens as we move forward. But I hope eventually, I hope hemp has a, a really promising future. Well, Zach, keep us posted on uh, your thought process going forward. Um, but everyone, don't forget to check out my visit to Juniper Hill Farms on our YouTube channel at Fieldwork Talk. All right, it's that time on the Fieldwork Podcast once again. We are going to open up the listener mailbox here and see what we've got on the voicemail. I'm a little bit nervous. Zach, Mitch, this is Jake. The podcast is good. That is phenomenal. Yeah, Mitchell, there's a lot to dig into here. Um, We're going to sit down and, and really hash this out. I think we should have a whole episode just on this. I think we should. Um, this is fantastic. I, I guess, you know, I do know a couple of Jakes, um, but this wasn't one of them. But he seems like he'd fit right in with my crowd. I'm not sure if this is a Jake that I know from Eastern Iowa. It kind of sounded like him, but um, I guess we're going to find out. Yeah, but I mean, I'd awesome. say that was a phenomenal voicemail. We'd like to hear more like that. Yeah, yeah, we love the... Uh, you know, the help that that brings to us and the, uh, the ego boost that that gives, like, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, he hit a lot on that message about how good the podcast is. Yeah. And, and to be honest, you know, Jake, we know, we know. <laughs> we, yeah. We, uh, yeah. And, and we strive for that. I mean, we've been working at this a long time. We're already in season two. I mean, geez, like, look how far we've come in podcasting. Like, yeah, it's amazing that we've gotten, you know, this good in such a short amount of time, definitely not great by any means or, you know, outstanding, but, but good, you know, that's, that's better than this podcast is bad. Well, we got Jake's approval. Yeah. Thanks Jake. And I'd say that's all we need. (laughs) One listener at a time. We are number one. That's our route to global domination. One (laughs) listener at a time. Well, so far we're ranking number one on the Jake scale. (laughs) Yes. That's all that matters. That's it for Fieldwork today. Thanks to all the people who helped make Fieldwork possible. Annie Baxter, Amy Scotchless-Cole, Claire Jones, Noah Boston, Kristen Schmidt, Eric Romani, and Lauren Humper. Our theme song is written and performed by Johnny Vince Evans with help from Corey Shruppel. And our website is fieldworktalk.org. We are also on YouTube at Fieldwork. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We cover them all. If you like our show, it'd be awesome if you would write us a review. And of course, we'd love to get a voicemail message from you that we can play on our show. Leave us a comment or question at 651-228-4810. That's 651-228-4810. Until next time, thanks for joining us. (laughs) Talking is so hard. (laughs) Which is really bad when you're a a podcast (laughs) host.